morning, good morning, man. You guys are fantastic. And hey, there's nothing better than seeing folks follow the Lord in believer's baptism, man. Would you just celebrate that one more time? What an awesome <laughs> blessing, man. I really hope, and I promise you this, if there's enough people get saved and we just baptize so many, man, I, I will forego the preaching time to see 50 people baptized. I really would. I mean, that would be some more worship service. And so uh, let's hope and just pray that that happens, man. I've never been a part of a worship uh, day where 31 people are baptized in, in a church. And so I know that happens in uh, other places, even churches bigger than ours. But I'm just telling you, that's a really remarkable thing. We don't need to take it for granted when God is moving in our midst. And I want to challenge you. I'll probably challenge you again at the end. But if you're here and you've never been baptized in believer's baptism, I'm not talking about you know, a, a, a baptism even that your parents made a decision to make. But I'm talking about a, a post-salvation baptism like the scripture talks about when we place our faith in Jesus and we follow him in public believer's baptism, man, there is no reason in the world why everyone who is a believer in Jesus shouldn't take that first step of obedience and follow the Lord in baptism. Uh, in just a minute, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you'll turn in, turn on your Bibles to Ecclesiastes while you're turning you should have uh, at least been given an opportunity to grab one of these pieces of paper on the way in. If uh, you didn't grab one, if you're a member of the church, uh, forgive us if you're not a member because this doesn't really uh, is not very relevant to you. But this is Deacon Nomination Day, all right? So we have great body of deacons, and uh, this is an opportunity. We still do it uh, as a congregational polity. You get to choose your deacons, and so uh, grab a piece of paper, nominate seven up to seven deacons. You can also go online if you go to the website, fbsimpsonville.org, fbsimpsonville.org. Go down to Happenings, click on Happenings, and uh, then scroll down to Deacon Nominations. Click on that, and you can do the same thing on the website. Um, but here's the thing. There's, there's seven nominations. Everybody can nominate up to seven, but if you nominate eight, your, yours gets thrown in the trash, all right? So make sure you don't go over seven. Uh, you can nominate three if you want to. You may be like, I don't know seven uh, men to, to nominate for deacon or whatever. So uh, how many ever up to seven that you nominate, they'll be included. And the, the 14, the, mo the 14 that get the most nominations actually will be on a list. A couple weeks, we'll elect seven from the 14. So that's how that works every year. Our deacons are, are just solid, uh, biblical, loving servants of God. And so how do you know if somebody's qualified to be a deacon? Man, if, uh, if, they are, um, if they are already surrendered to Jesus, serving the Lord, and walking an example of missions and ministry and surrender and sacrifice, man, nominate them, all right? Uh, it'd be wonderful. Ecclesiastes. We start a new series today that we're, we're, um, we're talking about what if. What if? Kind of the, the question is, what if we invested our time, our talent, and our treasure appropriately? Like from a kingdom perspective. Uh, and, and today really is going to be kind of grabbing a hold of a, just a proper perspective of what time really is. We're going to dive into the idea of time. And, and, and related to time, we're, I want to talk to you in relationship to seasons. I want you to think about uh, the time that you have in life is in a lot of ways seasonal. All right. I'm entering into, Amy and I are in, in, entering into kind of a new season 
it's a transitional season in a way because uh, our, our girls are still at home. Um, they're high school and middle school. Um, our boys are either out of college. Will's actually started a PhD program. And uh, the other two are in college, undergrad. And so we're just in this weird time, man. It's weird because it just feels different than it was, but it's still great. Um, but it's just, it is going to be different. We can see it coming. It's going to be real different, you know, eventually. And so, but we're all in a different season, you know. Some, some seasons are crazy, hectic, and busy. Some seasons are kind of slower. Um, but the thing about changing seasons, if you think about weather with me for a minute, is that when seasons change, oftentimes um, it brings storms. You know, when the weatherman says a cold front's coming in, get ready, man, right? When fall comes and it's going from, from summer to fall, a cold front will come in. And with the cold front, oftentimes storms, sometimes pretty heavy storms. And you'll go to sleep and it's like 75, 85 and wake up and it's like 50, right? And that's so massive, radical change in the environment and context of your life like overnight. There's other times like the seasonal change is gradual. Think about leaves for a minute, right? So at the beginning of fall, the leaves are green and then they start dying, you know. And it's funny how death looks beautiful to us in the fall, right? Because the leaves are dying and, and, and in their, they're dying. They fall off the tree, but they change colors and it's so beautiful. So we get in our cars and we ride up the mountains and we look at all the death. Isn't that crazy? Right? But anyway, we think it's, be- it's beautiful. But, but it's a cool time, literally, in more than one way. And so, uh, so it can be gradual. The, the, the experience of seasonal change can be gradual. And our lives are really the same. Some, some change in our life is gradual. Some of it just like... You wake up and things are different. That friend or that family member's gone. Or maybe they did you wrong and you're done with them. But people you depended on for years are just now no longer there for you. Maybe you moved recently and you're new to the upstate. And and everything you know and love, you left. We were there seven years ago. That's hard, man. Change is hard. Change is always greeted with uh, loss. It's, it's, it's always like a, a loss. Somebody loses in change. And it's often greeted with grief. And so when we experience change, when we go through times of transition and life change, uh, it's hard for us to really, in the moment, think about the pros and the cons. It's hard to really even be challenged. And so today we're looking at scripture that oftentimes we just read at funerals. <laughs> just, isn't that going to be encouraging, right? And so uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. Honestly, most of the time when I read this, it's at a funeral. It's in a setting where, where uh, we're, we're talking about life and death. And so today uh, we're going to talk about the, the tough things. The first 11 chapters of Ecclesiastes pretty much tell you Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Solomon's just saying life is meaningless. But in chapter 12, he ends up saying, unless you know God. God brings purpose. God brings significance to an otherwise meaningless life. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, for everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up. That which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, 
a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time for peace. What's Solomon saying? There's a time for everything. There's a time and a season for everything, as he says it, under the sun. Everything in your life, everything on this planet, everything in humanity, there's a time for everything. And in the context of our conversation, life changes. There's a time where things will change. But one thing that is a constant throughout all of the change of life is that God has a plan for you. Man, God has a purpose for you. And with 14 people being baptized in this one service, there's no doubt there's some people in here who just came to, to hang out and celebrate baptism. And, and, and so it's not just people who even necessarily are always part of our church. And, and here's the thing, though. There are people who could have been coming to our church for 20 years. And this is going to rock their world to really consider and think about the fact that their life is not forever. And I know that some of the things that are most practical and, and easy to know, we run from them. We avoid to think about the, uh, really the, 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 the lack of time we have on this planet. I mean, life is short. We hear that all the time. But we need to make sure that we invest the amount of life we have wisely. Let's spend it. Let's invest it instead of squander it and waste it on things that are not of any eternal significance. And so here's the thing, no matter what crossroads you're at, no matter what circumstance surrounds you, no matter what season you're in, the time is now. The time is now. You could easily say the time is always now, right? Because actually at this particular moment, it's now. But the same is true in five minutes, right? It's always now. At, at any point you say it, it's now. And so there's never a time when now is not now. Now is now. Y'all confused yet? But it's true. It's always now, right? And so when we say stuff like, it's, now is the time to serve Jesus, it's not that yesterday wasn't the time. Because when it was then, it was time to serve him. But that doesn't mean you did. That doesn't mean that I did. And so here's the thing. With the now that I have, with the present moment that I'm standing in, I need to make sure that I am giving all that I have, and let me just go and say it this way, the best that I have. Make sure that I'm giving the best that I have to the things that matter most in this life. And so with all of that, now is the time. So today we begin this three-week series, Time, Talent, and Treasure. But we're going to focus most of the day on time. I want to talk to you about three undeniable truths about time. And here's the first one. Let me give it to you. You ready? You can't escape time. Would you say that with me? You can't escape time. Now, you may think you're fast. <laughs> you're not that fast, all right? I told the other services, and you guys may not even do, do this kind of stuff, but I'm sure there's some people, don't look at your wife if it's there, all right? But uh, some of you probably get this aging cream. You know, my mom used to put on oil of Olay. I'm not even sure. Is that a thing still? I'm not sure, all right? What do you put that on for? Or what, what do you, why, do you, why would you do aging cream or wrinkle cream? It's because you want to look Younger, right? We want to look younger. Let me just ask you a question. Does it make you live longer? No, of course not. 
Now I know no ladies in here add color to their hair, right? Nobody. But the only reason we would add color to our hair, for the most part, is to, and I should have said men too, because men do that too, right? Um, so the only reason, for the most part, we would add color to our hair is because, honestly, it makes us look younger. But here's the thing. No matter what we do to try to look younger, even if it's exercise, we try to stay in shape, and, and it may, in some sense, make it more likely to extend our life. But let me just ask you a question. If you're super healthy, could you die tomorrow? Sure. I mean, you could do everything right, man. I mean, you could be like hitting the gym every day, bro. You could be eating everything right. You could never go to a Chinese buffet, right? Which to me is like you're not enjoying life, really, you know? But I mean, you could do everything right. You could eat all the right food. You could make all the right decisions. You could be super healthy and a Mack truck hits you tomorrow. And you're like, well, thanks. That's super encouraging, right? But it's just the thing we need to come in confrontation with the fact that you can't escape time. You may think you can outrun it, but time is not a sloth. It's a cheetah. And you can outrun a sloth, man. I think I can. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty confident that I could outrun a sloth, but I cannot outrun a cheetah. And time is more like a cheetah than a sloth. Time is chasing us, man. And, And if we honestly don't come to grips with this fact, at the end of life, we have just squandered it. We've wasted it. We've, we've lost any hope of meaning and purpose in this life. And you may say, oh, I gave my life to Jesus. No, I'm saying not, not like salvation, not at justification, not the point you asked Jesus to come to your heart. You were baptized. You made a decision. I'm talking about did you give your life to Jesus? Not did you decide to go to heaven. Not that you decide to, to follow Jesus in theory. I'm talking about. Did you give your life, like the time, the days of your life, did you give the decisions you're making to Jesus? Did you give your kids to Jesus? Did you give your wife and your husband to Jesus? See, that's really giving your life to Jesus. And so that's really the the more intrusive question of time is what am I doing with this time I cannot escape? Ecclesiastes chapter 9, look at verse 11. Just chapter 9, look at verse 11. Again, I saw the, that under the sun, the race is not to the swift. I do not like that. I'm just going to tell you. You mean you don't like the scripture? I, sometimes the Bible says stuff that's hard to hear. And I would like to think that the race is to the swift. Because I want to run, and I'm not talking about physically. Because <laughs> I cannot run fast, all right? But, but in life, from a, from a hard work and a, a driven perspective, I like to think I'm a, I'm a hard worker I'm a I'm a swift runner and and but here's what Solomon says that as he evaluated life the race is not to the swift the battle's not always to the strong the bread is not always to the wise the riches are not always to the intelligent nor favor to those with knowledge but time and chance happen to them all you cannot escape time look at verse 12 for man does not know his time would you say that with me man does not know his time What's that mean? You don't have a clue. You and I do not have a clue when we will live and when we will die. We have no control over when we were born or who we were born to, right? We, we, didn't, have, we didn't get to choose our parents. We didn't choose our kids. I mean, not really, in a way, you know. God gave them to us. The fact is, we don't know our time. We don't know when we're dying. We have no idea when we'll breathe our last breath. But you know what we do know? We do know we will breathe our last breath. 
the most certain thing that surrounds us and confronts us in this most uncertain world is there will be a time when there is no more time. There will be a day when no more days will come. There will be a breath in this body. I know this is a morbid and a sad thought, but this is something we need to hear. Listen, there will be a breath when it is my last, guys. And I can try to ignore it. I can try to deny that fact. That is the most certain thing about your life is that you will die. So why in the world would we push that away and not be confronted by this reality? That while we have time, we need to make sure we're doing the right thing with it. We can't escape time. And so man does not know his time like a fish that... Bro, okay, like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare. So children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. So the fastest runner, Solomon says, the, the hardest worker, the strongest athlete, the, the smartest scholar doesn't necessarily win at this thing we call life. Why? Because verse 12, man does not know his time. Man does not know his time. We could do everything right. We could... We can make all the money. Your bank account could be inflated. And at the end of the day, your kids could get it all. <laughs> Bless your heart. Amen. You're welcome. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you can have all these great plans for retirement and, 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 and not make it. Now, Wayne, why would you, why would you say all these discouraging? Because I don't want you to waste your life. I, I don't want you to waste your time. I don't want you to squander the time that God has given you on things that don't matter. I want you to, with me, be confronted, because I can tell you I have lately. Be confronted with this challenge that God is calling us to make the most of the time that we have. So what are we doing with the dash? What are we doing with the dash? You may say, what in the world are you talking about? What are we doing with the dash? Well, you don't really think about tombstones very often probably, right? But tombstones um, are significant for multiple reasons. In fact, I was looking at epitaphs. I think epitaphs can be funny. Have you ever looked at... Just Google funny epitaphs. Probably my favorite is someone who died and they put an epitaph on, I told you I was sick. That's, that's pretty awesome, right? Um, there was another, I wrote several down just, just to share with you. Please deactivate my Facebook account. <laughs> That's only funny to the people who are over the age of 30, probably, because you guys don't have Facebook if you're younger, right? Uh, here lies, here's another. Here lies a man named Jake. He stepped on the gas instead of the brake. <laughs> Write that on your tombstone. That's pretty funny. And then here's one that I've heard for years. Uh, the shell is here, but the nut is gone. Isn't that true? That's great. Anyway, so epitaphs can, can be funny, but there's other things on a tombstone. Here's one thing that's on uh, everybody's tombstone. And, and look, here's the thing. This is going to weird some younger people out probably. Some people in this room already have a tombstone. You may be like, what? Yeah. Some people, I don't know if you get a two-for-one deal or what, but sometimes when people pass away, they, they buy like the family tombstones and go and put them out there or whatever. And so there's people in here who have a tombstone, and it already has, I can tell you, it already has their birth date. It has their birth date. And... Uh, and it has a, a dash, and then it's blank. Well, eventually, when that person dies, we will see the death date, right? 
And so this is on everybody's tombstone after they've died, a birth date and death date. But in the middle is the most significant thing on the tombstone. It's funny how we just look over it. We don't, it's, it's an insignificant thing when you're looking at this tombstone. But it's the dash in the middle. Because inside the dash, look, let's, that's where we are right now. This minute, the now we are living is in the dash. And so it's kind of crazy when you think about it, on that tombstone. We think about all oh, this life and death, but birth and death. And, but that dash is like so much. And so, so here's the question. What will be in your dash? You know, what are you doing with the dash that God has given to you? How, how are you investing your time? Because we know we only have so much time. And we can't escape it. Second thing, though, we, it's not only that we can't escape it, we cannot control it. You can't control time. You can't control time. Now, some of you aren't going to know all these songs, but you might know some of them. The Beatles sang a human heart cry uh, when they sang, We all long for yesterday. Now, I like the Chick-fil-A version. Amen? Y'all know this one? Chick-fil-A, I could eat there seven times a day. Yeah. The second verse goes, uh, Suddenly, I see waffle fries in front of me. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. It's fantastic. And so, uh, just Google Chick-fil-A yesterday. You'll, you'll love it. It's fantastic. Uh, the Rolling Stones were wrong, though, in 1964 when they sang, Time is on my side. Trust me, it's not. All right. Otis Redding admits most of our res uh, response to the tragedy of life, we would just assume to be sitting on the dock of the bay wasting time, right? But even if we're not wasting time, we're reminded by Steve Miller Band, Time keeps on slipping, 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 right, into the future. And then Kenny Chesney, got to use country, right, country music singer. Uh, the great philosopher, Kenny Chesney, offers good advice when he says, don't blink. Now, why would he say don't blink? Because, man, your life is going to pass you by. I mean, I, I, I'm... I would like to say I'm still, I'm middle-aged, but I'm just going to be real with you for a minute, man. I'm, I'm like on the, the upper end of the middle-aged, you know? And, um, and I can remember holding the 24-year-old dude that's preaching this weekend. He's sharing the gospel, man, but I can remember holding him in my hand, man. I can remember like this, like it was yesterday. Just a second. It can be discouraging. Here's what I want you to hear. It can be challenging to us. We can sit and focus on the bad emotions that come with the passing of time. Or we can think about it in a biblical sense. James 4.14, listen with me. says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? It's a mist that appears for a little time, then it vanishes. Look, I wish that I could say to you, you're guaranteed 80 years. I would be a liar to tell you that. I, I, I've seen way too many. My best friend, Michael Agin was his name. I can remember, uh, it's going to date me even worse, but I remember sitting in the back of 
Michael's daddy's truck um, with our Walkman, listening to what were like you know, tapes that we had made, you know, like our favorite songs, and we just Walkman, by the way, is like a cassette tape. A cassette tape is weird, all right now. But I can remember that. Michael, 17 years old, got in a truck going around a curvy road in Harrison County, Georgia. Ran off into a ditch and died. Brad Weiser was my youth minister at my first church, Oak Hill Baptist Church. And uh, Brad, I'm pretty sure Brad was Dallas' student minister. Um, and Brad, I got a call. I'd already left Oak Hill. We were at Beulah Baptist Church. And one, one day, I can remember like it was yesterday, I was on the back porch. Eventually, it became a bedroom for one of our kids. But I was on the back porch, got a call. I picked up the phone, and, and man, it was my brother-in-law on the other line. And he was just, man, he was just panicking. And he said, Wayne, i got to tell you something. I was like, what's up, man? He's like, he's gone. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Brad's gone, man. They had gone to a skiing trip where Brad was doing the retreat for my brother-in-law, who was a youth minister. And Brad was just preaching the gospel and he was, you know, helping them grow in their faith. And, and Brad was skiing with all the other teenagers. But he, and here's the weird thing. He was on a bunny slope, y'all. Now, I've never been skiing, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the bunny slope is not difficult, right? But he, he got off track somehow and went down the hill and his head hit a tree. And he was, he was gone like that, 23, 24 years old. Why are you telling us that stuff? I'm just trying to tell you. I mean, you may think you got a lot of time left. You only have the time God gives you. And look, what did the scripture say a minute ago? Man does not know his time. You have no idea how much time you have to live. And so with all of that in mind, what should we do? We said you can't escape time. You can't control time. But here's the one thing you can do. You can redeem time. Now, what's that mean? I want to ask you to turn with me to Ephesians 5, the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5. It's going to be on the screen, but it's always better, I think, if you're turning in, turn on, at least on your phone or device. Get to Ephesians 5 and verse 15 through 17. I want you to mark it somehow, like bookmark it or type that reference down in your notes because this is going to be helpful for you to think back because this is going to be, just for the next seven minutes, I want, to, I want to rest on this verse because what do we mean redeeming the time? That sounds weird to say redeeming the time. Well, my translation, the ESV, the English Standard Version, here's what it says in Ephesians 5, 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but wise, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So Paul is challenging us in Ephesians 5 to make the best use of our time. But if you got the King Jimmy, the KJV, right? If you're looking like you have the older uh, translations... The word there is redeeming. It says redeem the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And in one sense, this is a better translation. Even though we may understand, make the best use of the time a little bit easier. 
redeeming the time is significant because this word in the Greek is exagorazo, which is a, it's a marketplace term. So when we say redeeming, it's literally like Jesus redeemed us. He purchased us. He paid the price for our sins by dying on the cross. That's what that redemption means. In the same way, we redeem our time. We buy it back. And you may say, how do you buy time back? What are you talking about? It, it doesn't mean that you, the more money you have, the more you, you live or the longer you live. It's absolutely, absolutely not true. right? But here's what it does mean. The enemy, the devil, wants to whisper into your ear, and he wants to get you distracted. He does it to me too, man. There's nobody in here exempt from this. It's not like you become like holy enough or sanctified enough to where the devil stops tempting you to waste your life. In fact, maybe the, the more spiritual you become, the more overly confident and arrogant you become, like the Pharisees become like self-righteous, and it's easy to lose sight of our purpose and get lost in the distractions. And so the devil can convince us to waste our life, to distract. He distracts us and, and to, to like invest our stuff in meaningless stuff that may be fun in the moment, but, but it's just like not eternally significant. And so here's what he's saying. Redeem the time. Man, make sure that you make the best use of your time. Not just from a personal pleasure or a personal happiness perspective, but more of an eternal perspective. Make sure the things that you're doing with the little bit of time you have on this planet, make sure you're making them count. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't be laying on your deathbed wishing you had done more or different things. Do those things now. Why? You still have time. There will come a day where you have none. You still have breath to breathe. You still have days to live. You still have time to invest. Stop allowing the enemy to distract you and to chase other things that have no eternal value. But pour your life into things that matter most. But then not only the word redeeming, but... Then the word time, the word time there in Ephesians 5, it's so significant. You know me, I don't, I don't like do Greek studies on Sunday most of the time. But when it's important and significant enough, I want you to hear it. Listen, in that passage where it says, redeeming the time or making the most of your time. That word time, here's the thing in Greek, oftentimes there are multiple words for one English word. I'll give you another example, love. So when I say love, I can say I love, again, Chinese buffet. Food is my favorite illustrations, right? So I love a ribeye steak. I mean, I can really talk to you about that for a while, right? I love that. But, but here's the thing. I love Amy, Will, Jake, Zach, Emmy, Lexi. And when I say I love my family, it's a different kind of love than me just casually saying I love a Big Mac, you know? And so here's, here's the Greek language has three different words for love where we just have one word. And that's why. Time is the same. All right? Time, we use the word time, and it, we know what it means contextually. We use context clues sometimes to determine what we mean. In the Greek, there are two words for time. One is chronos, and the other is kairos. The word chronos, some of you have already got your wheels turning, it's like where we get chronological. So chronos is like a, a quantity of time. 
when the Bible talks about chronos time, it's like the amount of time. And I'll be honest, all these years, I've probably looked at Ephesians 5 thinking maybe that's the kind of time Paul was talking about. But the word there is not chronos, it's kairos. The word kairos in the Greek is actually, instead of quantity of time, it deals more with quality of time. Now, it's pretty significant if we're reading the the Bible and we're reading the verse. And to think that Paul's not saying, make the most of the amount of time you have. See, is that true? Certainly. Should we make the most of the amount of time we have? Absolutely. In fact, let me think about it this way. The average American lives 78 years. All right? 78 years. That's 78 years, 936 months. That's 28,470 days. 28,000 days. I have already lived 18,250 of mine. So I got about 10,000 left on average. Now, you guys know I'm going to live to be 109. So that's not, you know, we hope, we wish. But here's the truth, man. If I'm average, I've got 10,000. God doesn't know it to me. I could live one more, be gone tomorrow. God doesn't know me a thing. He's still good and faithful if I'm gone. But when Paul is speaking in Ephesians 5, here's what he's telling you. He's like, hey, man, invest your life in quality things, quality time. Don't waste your life on stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, you can spend all your time trying to be a Major League Baseball player. Don't want to hurt your feelings. Chances are you're not going to make it. You can spend all your time, man, chasing around the latest thing. You can squander it all. And at the end of the day, we're we're spending our time, we're investing our time in things that aren't nearly as important as kingdom things. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have fun. It doesn't mean we don't go off-roading in our Jeep, hypothetically, right? It doesn't mean we don't have fun. Man, have fun. Live life to the fullest. But remember, the most important things aren't about quantity, and they're they're not about chasing making the most money, having the most friends, being the most popular, achieving all of these things and becoming the person that your parents hope you become. You know what making the most of your life is? Investing in things that are going to last forever. And just, you know, for instance, your neighbors are going to spend eternity somewhere. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. And it may be, again, that you wandered into this place for various reasons. But, but man, the Holy Spirit of God is in your face. And he's, he's really bringing it down to, to my level to where, you know, here's the kind of question that we need to ask ourselves. You know, when the time comes when I have no more time, when, when I breathe my breath for the last time, am I ready to meet Jesus? Am I ready? And and when I stand before Jesus, am I going to be able to say to him, I did the most. I, I invested the time, talent, and treasure you gave me in, in the best way, the, 
the highest quality. I made the, the highest or the best use of the time you gave me that I could, I could do. I mean, I, God, I did it. I did my best. Is that what we're going to be able to say or are we going to be standing there in shame because of the decisions we made, the, the, the decisions we didn't make? You know, here's, here's the truth. If we're going to, to truly invest our time in the best way, here's the kind of things we have to ask ourselves. I mentioned baptism. That's just one simple example, but I'm, I'm being very serious, all right? I'm not trying to shame anybody. But I want you to think about the things that we avoid because of our personal preferences, because of maybe our embarrassment. And, and if the question is being asked of us, are you giving your best to God? Because that's really the question. Are you giving your best to God or are you giving your rest to God? Because here's the truth. Look, I'm afraid we've fallen into a shameful pattern of giving God the rest of our time when he deserves and demands the best of our time. I'm going to say it a different way because this is really what it is. Look, God doesn't want the rest of your life. You may say, wait a minute, Wayne. Yes, he does. God doesn't want the rest of your life. God wants the best of your life. What are you giving him? I'm, I'm really, I mean, just think about it. Who's getting your best? Who's getting the best of you? I would say you should give the best of yourself to the people you love the most. I've been saying that a lot lately because I've been convicted about it. My wife and my kids deserve my best. They don't deserve my rest. They will be with me when I'm laying on my back, when I'm breathing my last breath. I don't know if you'll come and see me, <laughs> but I know she will. You need to give your best to the people you love the most. And, and if and if you can't say you love Jesus the most, then there's a whole lot more problems that we're not even diving into today. And if you say you love Jesus the most, then what in, what in the world thinks that we have the right to hold back from him? Stop giving him the rest of your life and give him the best of your life. If there's anything you're holding back from him, lay it down on the altar of God today. Stop holding back. Stop drawing a line in the sand and saying, God, I'll serve you as long as it's comfortable, as long as it's in my comfortable area, as long as I get to keep this in the bank, as long as I keep to keep my schedule the way I want it, as long as I can go on this trip or that trip, and as long as you don't ask me to go on a mission trip, you know, whatever. Look, why don't you stop giving God the rest of your life and give God the best of your life? That's the call because you only have so much time. So invest the time that you have. Wisely, Lord, we love you. God, I'm so, I'm so thankful that you've given us breath to breathe, given us life to live. But Lord, we take it for granted. Everybody in this room, including this preacher, God, we are so spoiled. God, there are times where you, you just so convict me. And I know that I've failed you. I know that I've, I've not done with what you've given me. What I need to do is as, not even as much from a quantity perspective, but God is, I haven't, 
I haven't maximized, you know, as far as equality and giving my best to the things that matter most. So God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would preach this to us individually in our hearts, convict us. God, I pray that no man, no woman, no boy, no girl can run from the conviction of your spirit today, that you will chase us down. God, you will grab us and that we will not be able to give you the rest, but we will give you the best of us. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?